Andy, there used to be a well, it's probably still around, but there's where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Yes. And it's also like where's Waldo, right? Yes. Well, there's a new one now, Andy. It's I don't know if you've caught the latest buzz. It's where is Kate Middleton, the Princess of Wales, Andy? <laughs> is she missing, she, Dave? You have to find her. Is she in a book? Apparently, she's been missing. As she hasn't been seen in public since before Christmas, I think December 23rd, or so the people online tell me. Um, she was. Uh, it's gotten to the point where the royal family had to put out a statement that the princess had a surgery, um, uh, like a stomach surgery, undefined. Uh, so go where you went with it. Um, and then, uh, but is obviously all sorts of things now about what's going on. And, and of course, it's all fun and games because the memes come out with Harry and right. uh, whatever his wife's name is. Um, Megan, Megan, Megan Merkel. Thank you. You know, who, who was in the headlines. And now, of course, like, uh oh, maybe Harry and Megan were right. And the princess is actually a bitch. And uh, so on. So uh, are you following this, Andy? I'm, you know, you're pretty worldly. Dave, you know, I wasn't until you brought it to my attention and I felt like I had to dig into a little bit. And, you know, you speaking of Harry, I saw one of the popular theories is that that stomach surgery, that unspecified stomach surgery was, you know, a little a little hanky panky between uh, royals there. So who, who knows what's going mm -hmm. on? Dave? I can say even, you know, I was, I was born British. I love my birthplace. I think it's a great country royal soap opera fanaticism has never been something I really was able to embrace. Although it seems like more and more like we start to do that here with our politicians, you know, more and more they become surreal characters, but I wasn't fully keeping up. So I'm glad we have a chance to find out the haps with the royals today. Thank you for bringing this up to start things off. It's, it's critical information. Yeah, it is. It's, it'll make your Wednesday a lot better, Andy, um, for sure. Yeah, I've never been a royal family person either. I know people are like obsessed with it, but I'm not sure what you're obsessed with. Like, what what is the obsession with the royal family? I mean, is it because they live this glamorous lifestyle that now most uh, like a lot of people live? You, you can follow Elon Musk just as easily. I'm sure he has more money than the royals do. I'm not sure what the the thing is. I mean, I know the the Netflix, I think it's a Netflix show. The um about um the crown, the crown. That's what it is. See, I'm just not there, Andy. But the crown is very popular. Um, but Americans seem to be very fixated on the royals. I mean, around the world are too. But I just never was never never into it. So, well, did any of the theories jump out at you as something that you know caught your attention or something that you know got you excited or, or concerned? Uh, well, uh, Prince uh, uh, Prince William is a drunk and he routinely beats her and does it like I think Kate is like one of the most beautiful women in the world. I mean, she's she's absolutely gorgeous, but like I, I don't obsess over her to the point where, you know, I even knew that she was missing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it is what it is. Uh, all right. I think my favorite, I, say, I think my favorite that I saw, Dave, was that she's actually been competing on The Masked Singer. And that the whole world is going to be shocked when they when they see her pop out of I don't I don't watch the show but you know whatever it is some you know cream puff costume or whatever it is that she might be dressed in which yeah. is actually a pretty hilarious um, thing. Yeah, that would be quite good actually, Andy. That would be uh, that would be quite good. All right, Andy. So let's let's jump into some other non. I mean that would that would, and look it was a waste a wild ass statements theories and exaggerations. Right. Maybe it's a waste Wednesday. We're playing to that card a little bit. So. 
Um, Andy, I think we probably should talk a little bit about the election. Let's not talk too long about it, but um, Michigan last night, uh, pretty resounding on both fronts. Let, where do you want to start? I'll give you the option, Andy. Democrats or Republicans? Where do you want to start? I got let's stories go, for both. Let's go with the incumbent. Let's go with, 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 with Joe. Let's go with Joe. Okay, so you got Joe Biden here. Of course, he's going to win overwhelmingly. The storyline coming out of here, Andy, is there was 13% of people who actually went to the polls and effectively leveled a protest vote. Uh, they voted for uncommitted. Um, so 13%. Biden had 81%. Then there was Marianne Williamson, who you astutely pointed out in the beginning of our little uh, pod discussion, uh, pre-pod stuff, isn't even in the race anymore. But yet she got 3%. And then Dean Phillips got 29 or 2.7%. Doesn't matter. Uh, he's still in the race. Um, we can talk an interesting story about Dean here in a minute. But the other point is 13% uncommitted. Is this a real protest vote or are we just kind of like it's just a couple people putting it in together? I mean, I think I think it's real. I think it's significant. Dave. It's, it's 100,000 people, right? Just over 100,000 people that vote uncommitted. You know, we don't know exactly who voted how, but there was a big push amongst the Arab American population, which is you know large in parts of Michigan um, to sort of protest against Biden and, and his you know actions that they've perceived as too pro-Israel, you know, in the ongoing conflict in Israel and Gaza. And while it doesn't you know, dent his his win, I mean, eight percent is a huge number. Michigan being so close, you know, and so competitive, you know, the concern is if, if those votes are potentially up for grabs, and if if Donald Trump could potentially secure those votes, could that tip Michigan his way? Could that be a difference maker? As close as the recent elections have been, it's possible. I mean, it's possible. Like I, I don't know. You know, there, there has been some increasing support among you know conservative parts of the Arab population for Donald Trump and some of his rhetoric and, and frustration with Joe Biden Democrats. You know, you don't know how these things are play out. I mean, there's still you know nine months to go before uh, November. Sometimes our memories are short. Sometimes they're not. So I think I think it is at least something your know, President Biden has to acknowledge and and be be cognizant of. And 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 you know, it it, it could be potentially a difference maker. It is it is significant. Yeah, I, I think Michigan in the last two elections, uh, uh, I'm trying to pull it up now. Um, it, it, Michigan in the last two elections has been pretty pivotal for both sides, the both Vinny, the winning parties for both sides. And and uh, you know, in 2020, they did go with by uh, with Biden, and in fact, the governor was very instrumental in there. And there was a lot of buzz about her at the end of uh, 20 the 2020 election. Um, but there, it, it, I think you astutely pointed out, there is a lot of growing frustration over the administration's handling of the conflict in Israel uh, between Hamas, and and it that is not a negligible population. You, I mean, you cannot lose the the um, Arab American support. Uh, you, you, I mean, just as a Democrat, you cannot you you cannot lose that. And this is a initial indicator. There haven't been too many races for the Democrats so far. So, you know, this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I still think we're moving towards a a, a very contentious convention, uh, especially as we move into Super Tuesday, which I think is it next week, Andy? I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. First yeah. Tuesday of March. Yeah. Yeah, so we have Super Tuesday uh, next week. This is going to be a lot of movement here. Um, all right, so let's let's talk. Anything else on the Democrats, Andy? You want to talk? Say, about I mean, we were talking numbers, right? So, so Donald Trump won Michigan in 2016 
by about 500,000 votes over Hillary Clinton. Um, Joe Biden won in 2020 by just about 150,000. So, yeah. I mean, 100,000 votes is, and that, that is a significant number. Uh, you know, they, yeah. It's really perilous, yeah. So the question will be is like, if there's a third party candidate in there, do they wedge somewhere in the middle there? So let's talk, let's talk about that here in a second, because let's, let's move to the Republicans, Andy. So Trump won more convincingly in Michigan than he did in South Carolina. There's a lot of buzz after South Carolina uh, on two fronts with Nikki Haley. One, it was closer than most people thought, 20% versus 30%. We said that on Monday. Yeah. Um, and then, but the other buzz is that uh, two things is is what becomes of Nikki Haley now, the, the Koch brothers uh, or the Koch support network, uh, who was famously went to her early uh, with a lot of money and resources and helped uh, fund her campaign for a significant amount of time, uh, has pulled back their support. I don't know if it was completely or or just in large part in her focusing more on congressional uh, battles and, and funding there. Uh, that's the first part. The second part is, is that the No Labels Party, uh, which is famously, they're not Democrat, they're not Republican, they're mixed of, I think, mostly never Trumpers um, that uh, don't want Trump to be in office. The No Labels Party appears to be maybe indicating circling around Nikki Haley to potentially be their candidate uh, for the election, which would mean you could have Trump, Biden, Nikki Haley, and RFK Jr. as a, a, a presidential field. I mean, that'd be, that'd be interesting. I, I think it's actually four viable candidates for some people. So thoughts on any of that, Andy? Yeah, I mean, if, so... Well, Nikki Haley has gotten like crushed in these first several primaries. And you know, one of the storylines that has come out of at least the first year, I'm not sure about the Michigan polls and numbers, but that even though she's gotten destroyed, she's overperformed, right? Right. She, she's won more than expected. Donald Trump is expected to beat her handedly. You know, I wonder if the Coke backing was really, you know, not, not anything more than just, we, they weren't moving the needle, right? If their money wasn't changing the outcome, maybe stop spending the money, right? So if they, that, that might've been part of the rationale, but it's interesting that, that Nikki Haley has performed at least as well as expected or better, and it's been better in, in, the, in the first three states. That's significant, right? And so you, know, you look at no labels, they're looking for a candidate. They want somebody they can put in front of America that is a viable alternative to you know, Biden and Trump. And you know, again, you know, the, Joe Lieberman is one of the leaders of, of the party. Um, you know, Lieberman famously crossed party lines uh, to be the vice president, um, a private vice presidential candidate. So Nikki Haley could fit sort of some of the similar you know interests that he has. You know, uh, talk strong on defense. You know, kind of moderate on a lot of positions. Uh, fiscally responsible. She could be an appealing candidate to some of those that are helping to push no labels forward. And you know, if if that ended up happening, you know, she is just such a huge contrast with Biden and Trump. You know, if Trump continues to have problems uh, with fi financially, criminally. It, it does open up some potential for her to certainly at least be disruptive. And you, like I said, with, with RFK potentially as well, those are four well-known names. And that could be a very interesting dynamic. Again, those 100,000 votes in Michigan could get sliced a lot of different ways. Back in 2016, it was uh, Gary Johnson who pulled 172,000 votes in Michigan. So RFK is more well-known, Nikki Haley is more well-known. 
that could be really interesting to see play out, um, you know, if, if it comes together. So, you know, we'll see. No label said they're going to make a decision on what to do after Super Tuesday. So here in the next 10 days, two weeks or so, like we, we'll see where it goes. And it could be very interesting and pose a lot of problems for both the two major party candidates if Nikki Haley goes that way or some other, you know, well-known national figure goes that way. So we'll see. It, it certainly is interesting. Disheartening maybe, but interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, I think what the the the, the challenge with, you know, um, when it's one-on-one, Haley versus um, Trump, it, is that um, there's like, you, it's really just for one part of it. Um, but when you put it all in the mix with Biden involved there and RFK Jr., like, yeah, now you're looking at, like, what's going to get you to the presidency? Is it 30 percent? I mean, what, 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 would, what would get you there? 35 percent? Um, I'm not really sure. Um, I just know that there's a lot of um, um, it, the, having more options is is a better opportunity, I, to, frankly. And if if no labels can get on the ballot uh, in all 50 states, because we already know RFK is, um, be, uh, I, I think this is a pretty it's going to make for a very interesting. Um, I, actually, I think it'd be a more enjoyable race if you have four people fighting it yeah. out than yeah. than the two old people. And and then I really think that Trump and Biden need to be concerned because again, what's that magic number going to be for getting elector? I mean, it, what do we, what is it normally? It's like 48%. I mean, 47%. Well, he then, ends up being the electoral vote, which is, which is a whole nother story. We'll get into maybe. Another but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. It's a, but I mean, I do think it's just going to be very fascinating to see how that, how that all plays out and and where do you pick and choose from there? So, okay. Any, any thoughts else on the election, Andy, at all? None, Dave, none, Dave. Time to move forward. Yeah, we, we do probably need to move forward. And Andy, a couple other interesting stories uh, along the way. I, I, you know, I, I get challenged on where to pick from because some of these things are very interesting, but let's go with this one, Andy. Um, Apple yesterday um, abandoned their electric car project, uh, which has been something that's been going on um, for, I guess, the better part of 10 years or so. Um, obviously, the the big thing, Elon Musk was quick to to go to X and, and you know, give a little ribbing to Apple about, you know, how they've been, how Tesla's been, of course. Uh, obviously, Tesla's still the standard on this front, um, but Apple abandoning this after 10 years um, thoughts, thoughts there, Andy. Well, and I think it kind of shows where the EV market is and where the you know the future is. I think you know there's some talk that Apple's you know rerouting resources towards AI, um, that there's more potential there. I don't know if that's wrong. I mean, there, there's there's huge potential in AI. Apple's been a leader in innovation. You think they could potentially do some really interesting things, and they see what you know Microsoft is doing and OpenAI, and there's some opportunity to catch up and 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 do something different there. So I think you know that 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 would be a logical sort of investment, you know, sunk cost or sunk cost. And so 10 years, is not the right path, you know, time to pivot. But I think it shows where the EV market is too, to a certain extent. I mean, you know, you mentioned Tesla and, you know, I think the Tesla buyer is a certain type of buyer, right? They're buying a Tesla for a number of reasons, right? And not just the electric feature, because that's available now in a lot of brands, right? I mean, Ford's got electric cars, others have electric cars, um, but also EV sales have been down. And you've seen a lot of, you know, companies sort of change their production to reflect the fact that people weren't buying as many EVs as, as they thought they were going to. Well, I've got some states like, you know, one I like to pick on, which is California, mandating transitions to EVs 
a lot of others, a lot of Americans said, hey, I don't know that I really want to make that transition yet, myself included. I mean, I was looking at that very seriously, you know, not that long ago, and then came to the conclusion that I, I don't feel that's an investment I can make, you know, because I, I don't think it's the right time. I just don't think the infrastructure is there. I don't want to deal with charging and, 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 and the issues of batteries at this point. I don't think they're mature enough that I would be comfortable, you know, so I think people are questioning it. And I think Apple and others are seeing that and saying, hey, maybe this isn't the the future isn't now, maybe, you know, maybe there's something else. And I, I think that's an interesting move. So I, I think it was a, probably a smart business decision by Apple, right? There's, there's a lot of others in this space. I don't know that Apple needs to enter this space. And I don't know that the market is what it, you know, looked like, you know, five years ago, you know, so it, it's, a, it's an interesting move. It's a, it's a notable decision. I think probably a good decision. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, Dave, I'm looking to buy a car for the first time in, 12 years, you know, I'm, I'm finally looking to retire my, my, my very tired and true uh, SUV for, for something else. And I'm not looking at an EV. You know, I, I was, you know, a couple years ago, I thought I was gonna make this move. I started looking, I was looking at hybrids and, and now I'm saying, you know what, g give me gas, give, give me a car that I can be comfortable with. And, and that's probably where I'm gonna end up going. And I think a lot of other Americans are making similar decisions. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. The whole, there's two things I find interesting. One, I think, this idea that Apple, because they had the iPod or the iPhone, um, can just anything they touch, they're going to make better, um, isn't always the case. I mean, they're still struggling. Like Apple, uh, just because Apple's involved in something doesn't mean they're. It's going to take take off and go through, and it's going to be some amazing product. Look, I mean, look at Apple TV. I mean, the box. Uh, I have one, but I mean, it's it's not that big of a, a thing. It hasn't revolutionized my yeah. home system in any way. It's supposed to like connect all my home things together. That doesn't really work um, that way. It's a challenging market. So, and, and look, I'm still out on this Apple, the Apple vision thing, vision pro thing. I'm not so sure that's something that's been great. Reviews haven't been great. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, the price point's high for what? I mean, what are we really doing? We're, we're detaching from the physical world more. Is that really what we want to be able to do? And you look like a fucking clown um, doing it like in the comfort of your home, one thing, but like when you're out and about, come on, let's get real. But I know a lot of that is marketing too. They're trying to get in front of people. Uh, but that's one thing. The other thing is, I think it's just, it maybe it's a testament to Tesla that look look at what type like the fact that Tesla was able to do something that many other companies have not been able to do. Yes, they have EV, but it's not the the Tesla car is not just an EV. It's it's a autopilot. It's a lot of things that other, these other companies just haven't been able to master. And this is where I'll give Elon a lot of credit. I mean, I think there was a visionary uh, on this front. Uh, they've continued to maintain um that level and yeah it hasn't gone through the roof it hasn't become the 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 highest the best i guess auto dealer in the world but it i mean it's a it's a pretty cool concept but you just it's not for everybody and it's never going to be for everybody yeah. um i i don't ever consider like ev is not one of the things that i said that's my number one i have to have an ev or i have to have a hybrid this is never in my calculus and so uh, I just, I find it, those two points interesting. Yeah, I so. think you know, people buy a Tesla, I think for you know, the technology on wheels, right? It's, it's, it's right. a certain type of buyer. Um, if, if you want to buy a technologically interesting and really ugly car, then then go buy a Tesla yeah. and drive it around. And, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll laugh at you every time I see your vehicle parked as I do every time I do now. I, I just, I, I personally think they're awful looking cars. 
you know, I'll, I'll give Tesla credit. They they successfully uh, convinced the government to subsidize their efforts to grow as they did. It was a smart business move. You know, I personally don't don't care for the way that was done. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think that should be you know an investment you know with, with government money. To be honest with you, I think it's it's not you know not not a good investment of, of our taxpayer money. But they were smart and they took advantage of it. Tesla stocks did very very well. You know, so shareholders were happy. Purchases, a large part of them are happy, although you do see the occasional complaints of Tesla's having issues and whatnot. We'll see how it goes now that sort of the market has sold a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know the Tesla's future is as bright as the last five years have been. But like I said, there is a specific market that I think will continue to be interested in that and other EV options, right? I mean, again, you can buy a Ford Lightning, you know, a, a massive truck, you know, also your, your house's backup generator. Interesting. I mean, interesting ideas for those that want to do that. I think, you know, I, I think there's a lot of Americans similar to what we're saying. They just don't really want to make that move right now. And we'll continue to pay ridiculously high gas prices for a little bit longer. Yeah, I will say like uh, uh, the um, I, I agree with your thought on uh, Teslas are not necessarily aesthetically pleasing. I'm not a, I'm not quite a fan of them, but very unique uh, style. And you like up oh, there's a Tesla again. And so. Yeah. Uh, all fun stuff. All right, any, 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 Andy, any lingering thoughts on this topic? No, Dave, I'm ready. I'm ready to like, like the election. I'm ready to move on. All right, so let's go to the next topic here, Andy. How familiar are you with shrinkflation? Dave, I don't like to talk about it, but when I get in a pool, sometimes I experience shrinkflation, and it's just something <laughs> that to deal with. You know I mean, it's just reality for us. Is that is that what we're talking about this morning? Are we talking about pool shrinkage or or, or uh, somewhere else? To quote Elaine Bettis, is that a thing? It really happens? It shrinks? Classic um, Seinfeld right there. Classic Seinfeld episodes. It's one of the best Seinfeld episodes. If you haven't seen the shrinkage episode of Seinfeld, you it, look, I, I, let's just go side tangent, Andy. If you haven't watched Seinfeld, I, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast because everything about like Seinfeld is just amazing and and there like it, it has been i was actually at a lacrosse like kickoff party for my daughter's high school team parent little parent meeting and we started talking about seinfeld episodes and the fact that i mean when did seinfeld end like 99 98 or something like right around then yeah i'll check yeah then. so it's been about 25 years uh since the end of seinfeld and you could go back and watch those episodes today and feel just I mean, you you experience the same things. That's the, like the classic, um, the way that those episodes have just been structured. Okay, but neither here nor there, shrinkage, Andy, or shrinkflation. Um, you know, this is the new political hot buzz uh, buzz item uh, about how companies are. Let, let's just I want to quote here the um, the report from December twenty three, a greedflation report. Shrinkflation: How corporations are shrinking products to supersize profits. Andy, it's it's just this age-old concept about, you know, while inflation is going down, and and maybe the cost of eggs are going down, uh, in some respects, companies have, you know, the the carryover from from you know covid where they had such high costs to produce things that's stabilized and gone back to where it was pre-covid times yeah. yet companies are still charging the same amounts that they were charging in in, in uh covid times uh or in the post time They're, the prices of for products aren't going down that's one part of it the other part of it is frankly the packaging you know the the boxes of cereal 
uh, don't contain as many uh, actual bowls of cereal as you would think, but you're still paying for the same price that you were before because the box is the same, Andy, or like the bag of potato chips and maybe only half full <laughs> or yeah. something. I know I'm going to the extremes, but effectively that's what we're talking about. Right. What's your thoughts on shrinkflation? Because this is now, this is a political topic now, Andy. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so it's a real, it's a real issue, right? I mean, yeah. it is real. I mean, we, I think everybody's joked forever about, you know, you open a bag of chips and there's, there's half a bag of chips, right? Same thing with your boxes here. Like you open it up, you know, you, there's, there's nothing inside it. Like that's not really new, but there is, there is this, this transition where, where companies are reducing the size you're paying the same amount. Like that's a genuine frustration. I think people are seeing and expressing and that's fair in of itself, but, but I'll share two thoughts, Dave. One, you know, we're seeing Joe Biden kind of pick up on this as like a, a, a major political theme. I, I don't know. I don't know that it's a winning theme for a national election, right? Like, like, who are you, who are you arguing against? And, and, and like, like, does that, like, it's not like, you know, Trump or others are going to be like, no, I want Americans to pay more for less. I mean, so it's a weird, it's a weird topic to sort of embrace politically. And I think, you know, the government should really pause before suggesting any action to change that. I mean, that that's a consumer to producer dynamic and, and something that, you know, it worked out in the, in the market. I just sort of question where President Biden is going with his, you know, push in this direction, but we'll see. Apparently, it's going to be a big feature in his State of the Union address. But Dave, if I could tell a quick story, and I'll try and go quick. So I know we're getting close on time, but this this is not new, right? And so you know, I'm a I'm a Domino's pizza enthusiast. I, I love Domino's pizza. I love all pizza. I'm, I'm completely open to all choices of pizza, but I love Domino's. I had two stints working there back in the, the '90s, right? When I was in high school, I made pizza. When I was in college, I, I, I made pizza, I drove, I supervised, loved, loved my entire experience. But there was a moment back around 95, maybe around that time, plus or minus, where we transitioned from a 17-inch large pizza to a 16-inch large pizza, right? Didn't say, in my mind, I might be an inch off in the measurements there, but if I recall, that's what it was, 17 to 16. We didn't say anything, didn't tell people, we just, we just did it. And like all the workers we saw them we were like what the hell is this This isn't a large pizza and the bosses were like hey it is you know go deliver it that first few nights that was hell because we would get yelled at by customers i mean there would be occasions where i drop off the pizza and not get back to my car before a regular is like at the door like what the hell is this i ordered a large and all you could do is look them in the eye and be like yeah that's a large sir you know that that's what we get you and, and like we ended up you know like you're running cokes back out to clients all day long to, to apologize like hey sorry for the frustration and, and we really want to explain that we shrunk the pizza size, right? That inch or so in shrinkage saved Domino's money, increased profit, a disaster, you know, for us on the front lines, making those deliveries. You look today, like I said, I'm pretty sure it was a 17 to 16 inch transition back around 95. Today, Domino's large pizza, 13 and a half inches, right? Like that's a medium pizza, right? That's a medium yeah. pizza, you know, from your so. This isn't really anything new. You know, business has been doing this for a long time. And I say all that and I'll still say I still love Domino's pizza. That Domino's pan pizza is fantastic, but but it's a smaller pizza. And and but this isn't a new concept. Like it's a way for businesses to increase profits, save money. That's that's what it does. And, and you know what they're gonna do? They're gonna keep on making these adjustments as long as the market allows it, as long as we keep buying that half empty bag of chips, they're gonna keep charging us for it, right? That that's yeah. how the market works. So I don't know if it's a big political issue. I don't know there's anything new. I don't really know there's a huge American debate here. You don't like what you're paying for? Quit buying what you're paying for. I mean, buy something else. There's, there's an alternative, you know, and go, go find McDonald's supersized version, whatever it is that you want. But I don't know, Dave, I know a little bit long there, sorry. 
Yeah, no, I, I look, I don't disagree. I mean, I'll just quote one little. I don't know where Biden's necessarily going with this either, other than to try to be the the to try to pull in some of those fringe Trump voters who, you know, that Trump speaks to because he feels like they're being neglected, neglected. Um, but, you know, I'll just quote, and this is from a government report, mind you. So while overall inflation rose 14 percent from July 2020 to July 2022, corporate profits rose 74 percent over that time, five, five times as fast as inflation. In, fast, in fact, uh, the Federal Reserve research shows 41% of inflation over this time was sold due solely to government profit making. It, again, I can see where the talking point is, is like, I'm here to fight for you, the everyday American, and these are uh, rough prices. But um, again, I'm just not sure, like, at the end game, what, what's going to happen. Because again, if we're going to argue, look, companies have the right to do whatever they want to do to make profit and to maximize profit. You know, it's always on the backs of everyone else, mind yeah. you. I mean, it's all—they're not delivering you. You know, it, it, it's crazy the the prices of things. But um, I I don't know. Well, so I guess we'll see. We'll see where that goes. And on top of all the other election craziness that's going on, should make I look. Maybe I'm more excited about where the election is going to be this summer than I was before. I'm still, I, I've got bets out for this contested convention, Andy. So we're, we're going to see where that really goes. Uh, so Super Tuesday is going to be huge. But Andy, yeah. any other thing you want to cover on this Wednesday? No, Dave, we, we we'll have to come up with a little uh, a little pool, you know, a little 2024 election pool of some kind and take some bets, maybe some uh, some election parlays we can set up or something. We'll take a look at that. Yeah, let's look at, maybe, look, maybe we should go to like some of these, websites that give odds on certain things and let's look at some of those things yeah. and and uh obviously we don't condone betting andy unless anybody's really uh unless you're in a state that's legal to do it right so i, I condone betting dave i don't i don't participate but i, I condone it you're, you're welcome to bet if you want to <laughs> <laughs> um all right andy with that then i will i'm looking forward to friday so let's see what we got in store for weekend uh wrapping up the weekend there uh wrapping up the week all right, Andy, I will catch you next time.